everybody. It's Weird Islanders, the podcast, back once again. My name is Dan. That is Mike. How are you doing tonight, Mike? Uh, I am quite excited, uh, as always, on these, this show. But this is a uh, a player right in my wheelhouse uh, from a, <laughs> a team that I would say the team that really uh, started my Islanders fandom here, uh, attached me to this team. And uh, he, him and, and another player on this team that we'll get into were the first two guys like that I that became kind of my own personal cult heroes, I would say. Like I was like, I like this guy. He became, you know, my my favorite player and wasn't a he wasn't a you know a big name on on the team at all. I mean he was a a journeyman NHL player and there was another player on this team that that joined uh, midway through the season as well that like I was like these are my two guys uh, and, and maybe started me on this path that has landed me in the seat to talk about him mm. uh, which you know is kind of weird to think about but um, yeah it was I love this player I love this team got a great guest so I'm, yeah. I'm pretty pumped this is going to be one of our more surprising episodes, I think, to people, because uh, we have a lot of notes for a guy who really didn't spend a lot of time with the Islanders. Uh, and uh, he had a really fascinating career before, during, and after the Islanders. This is also our season finale. And so we wanted to pull out all the stops. And so we got a super extra special guest for everybody tonight. He is the Radio Color commentator for the New York Islanders and is also the co-host of the exquisite Talking Isles podcast. Greg Picker is here. Greg, how are you? Doing well. Thank you, guys. Really a, a pleasure to be here. A uh, longtime listener, first-time caller onto this show. <laughs> so uh, it'll be a lot of fun. It will be. Uh, and we can't thank you enough for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, you've been at on the color commentary gig for a long time. Uh, it, it seems like it kind of went by in a blink. And boy, what have, how much you've seen in that amount of time, too. What season was this for you uh, sitting next to Kinger? So my first year full-time next to Kinger was the first year in Brooklyn. So that was 2015-16. Wow. And here we are all these years later. And uh, I've seen quite a few playoff series wins. And before I, I took a seat in that chair, it had been uh, quite a little while before that. And thankfully, my first full-time year, we, we got over that hump. And yeah. we've had more ups than downs ever since. Definitely. Uh, I was thinking about that today. I'm like, wow, he's... He's seen a lot like <laughs> there's there's moves, there's pandemics, there's playoff runs, there's guys coming and going. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, that, that's basically as long as uh, Mike and I have been doing our thing, too. Is there something you know now that you wish you had known then? Like if if you if 2023 Greg could go back in time and tell 2015 Greg to watch out for something specific while doing this job, what would that be? That's a good question. I don't think I have a. a real good answer for that. But what I will say is because you brought up the pandemic and just mm. the bubble run really mm. stands out because it wasn't just about the hockey. It was about learning how to broadcast from a studio oh, gosh, and yeah. get that same energy level, despite mm. all those games being in either <laughs> Toronto or, or eventually in Edmonton. It was yeah. obviously the same for us just watching on a couple of monitors at the uh, WRHU studios on the campus of Hofstra University. Yeah. And there were a lot of growing pains early on that just from a technical side of thing, because the league was doing that for the first time and we were doing that for the first time and trying to get the sound to sync with our video. And I told people who or other broadcasters who either their teams didn't make the playoffs or they were on very quick runs that 
you know, we got a hang of it because we went on such a long run. I think there were 21 games, maybe, maybe 22 games during that entire bubble run. And, uh, you know, towards the end of it, obviously with what the team was doing, but we were having a lot of fun and uh, we wanted to be there in person, but it was the next best thing. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, you guys did a great job. And uh, yeah, we were along for a ride. And, and th- that's always how it is, isn't it? Like by the time you you figure it out and it, and it becomes like second nature, now it's done. Like it's always, so even even for us, like, you know, we get the ball rolling. And then by the time, you know, we feel like the podcast is clipping, uh, all of a sudden the season is done, however long that takes. But uh, uh, we are going to talk a lot more about Talking Isles on the other side of talking about our uh, weird Islander tonight because uh, I do love the podcast, but uh, we need to get into our weird Islander of the evening. And I got to tell you, this is a fantastic pick. And I, I wasn't sure if anybody was ever going to pick this player, but boy, am I glad you did. So Greg Picker, will you please reveal the subject of tonight's episode of weird Islanders, the podcast. We are going to speak about the surprise Islanders MVP of the 2002 playoffs. Just that first round, but it was a fun round. Kip. Miller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just it's really just an excuse so that Mike and I can talk about the 2001 2002. <laughs> hey, you never need, you know, it doesn't have to be take much, right? Like there, it's just a fun time. There's there are very few players in any team on any sport where I can't think of, you know, like a, a criticism of that player. Hmm. And Kip Miller is one of those players because right. he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> He did, he like that that anytime I think about Kip Miller, I'm just thinking about him scoring a big goal in that playoff series. Yeah. Um and, and like providing a little bit of middle six oomph to a team that, that sort of needed it. And be he was the perf that team came together in such a fun way because every single piece of that puzzle just fit. Right. And that's I think that's part of the reason why people really love them. It's kind of like the uh the twenty fourteen fifteen team, uh, in a way where the, the the whole as they were shot out of a cannon and they never s- slowed down and every little kind of player every little move they made added to the experience and Miller certainly did that um and I, like I said I can't think of anything this guy did wrong in in his you know he had three stints with the Islanders which we'll get yeah. into but in his like main course which was the the regular season and then the playoff series against Toronto. I, if the Islanders won that series, if they would talk about Kit Miller in Toronto, like we talk about, you know, Riley like, Smith, right? Yeah, exactly. Riley Smith. Or like <laughs> Yuri this, they're the same exact type of, of yeah. series that they played where they were on the losing side, but they somehow, I mean, now we've seen Riley Smith in a much different fashion, mm-hmm. not as big of a surprise with what he's done with Vegas. But just all of a sudden, okay, you didn't realize he was going to be the guy that would maybe lead the way for a, a team that ended up not winning the series. But uh, so we can look back almost fondly in a way of what Riley Smith did because the Islanders beat the Panthers in 2016. And uh, maybe if there are some diehard Leafs fans that think about Kip Miller in 02, they, they say have the same conversation. Yeah, that I mean, that all makes sense. Like I was, again, surprised by this. It doesn't happen too often with these weird Islanders players that I'm looking at the guy's numbers and I'm like, boy, I hadn't, I really didn't know the depth to which this guy was productive for the Islanders. And I lived through that series. I was there for that whole, the whole season. And uh, he had a really interesting kind of role in there. And, you know, we talk about, and we'll, we'll go through the whole the whole uh, you know setup and, and everything in, in a bit. Cause uh, Kip Miller played for a number of teams beyond the Islanders, but 
you know, when we talk about that 2001-2002 team, we talk about the usual suspects, right? Pekka, Yashin, Osgood, and then Acoin, Janssen, um, you know, Bates, Parrish, all those guys scattered. But Miller came in halfway through the season, and he was leading the AHL in scoring at the time. And he just absolutely goosed the Islanders' offense, which was already pretty good. He got power play time, and uh, he had a huge role on that. And I, I mean, they almost won the division that year. Yeah. And I think he probably had a good a good hand in that because it was like you know they had kind of run out of gas, maybe a little bit, run out of steam after that crazy start. But then here comes Kit Miller, and all of a sudden they're they're good again. And, and it's, <laughs> it's not even like he up. was a Bridgeport Sound Tiger. No, he was an AHL contract grand rapids griffin and so anybody could have signed him but mike milbury did and uh he finished the the regular season 24 points in 37 games pretty strong numbers but as we'll get into the postseason four goals two assists six points in the seven games tied with alex mogilney for the most goals of any player (laughs) in that series i mean think about think about that for a second this guy was tied with alex (laughs) mogilney for the most points right in in a series that featured Yashin, Pekka, Sundin, Roberts, you know, new and like all these right. great players. Mm-hmm. And it's Kip Miller who ends up <laughs> starring for the Islanders. And you know, that's, I think that's when we talk about 2001, 2002, rightfully so, everybody's mind just goes right to that Bates penalty shot. And right. that, that was a you know, watershed moment for, for the Islanders. Um, but to get to a moment like that, as you were kind of alluding to, Dan, like you need, you need other people to to step up and and you talk about all you hear about during the NHL playoffs is depth players stepping up mm-hmm. and um you know it, almost like Keith O'Coin a little bit when when he came yes, around with the Islanders definitely. like you you need that you just need someone in that in that middle six to just step up big time mm-hmm. and Kip Miller I could hear Howie Rose saying Kip Miller's voice in my head because it just felt like the guy was all over the puck in that series. He had the puck on like the yeah. half wall. He mm. was winning buck puck battles and just incredibly effective mm. in a series that featured plenty of scoring too. Like yeah. that, that was a, that series is known for uh, being like a the rough stuff, an absolute yeah. puncher, right. but <laughs> there was a lot of goals in it, Like there were yeah. plenty of, there's plenty of scoring except in game seven. Like that, that, that series featured a ton of scoring. A lot yeah. of weird stuff happened. <laughs> and the the kind of steadying influence throughout all of it uh, was was Miller, uh, who who because of the amount of you know weird Islanders that are on this roster and and guys like like Osgood and uh, et cetera, he, he just completely flies under the radar. But he's mm. I, I really he's you know we ask this question for every episode, but I really wonder if Kip Miller thinks about <laughs> his playoff series in two thousand two and that and just is like, hey, that was. A, a wild series and if mm-hmm. he he probably can't turn to he's part of a big hockey family he can't turn to like ryan miller and be like let me tell you about the series i played with the islanders <laughs> where we lost right. uh but but he you know he he was a star he was mm-hmm. the star in that series for the islanders and god i loved him and i loved that that season was just the best so we played in four total playoff series two with the penguins in 99 and then the one with the Islanders in 02, and then played in one the following season with the Capitals. Mm. So, yes, he did win one series out of the four in the NHL he played in, but I uh, actually had a pretty good run with the Penguins. Now I'm looking back at it. He had nine points in 13 games yeah. in 99. <laughs> so yeah. uh, he he was a, a playoff player, stepped up his game. And he didn't lead the Islanders in points 
Alexi Ash and Roman Hamrick, Adrian Acoin led them with seven points, but Miller did lead them in goals. And I'm looking at the O2 playoff roster and third in scoring among defensemen hmm. for the Islanders behind Acoin and Hammerlick. Darren Van Imp. Yep. He well, that's the other guy. All assists. Oh, that's who you're going with. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That because he was to me, he was the first like trade deadline when the acquisition where the Islanders were actually a that's buyer. True. Yeah. Right. Like for me, I was like, wow, like this is great. We're a buyer. I can't wait to, to read about in the paper who the Islanders trade for because that was the only way you could really find that stuff out. And and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm projecting this, but I feel like in Newsday, the Islanders had played a game. And then in like the little footnote after the game, like news and notes just, hmm. you know, was like, yeah, by the way, the Islanders traded for Darren Van Im. <laughs> uh, he's going to play, you know, join the yeah. team in a couple of days. And, I, I remember him just being there and being like, wait, Darren Van Imp is here? Like it was kind of – so you might be right. I might have just missed that that blur, but he just kind of showed up. But let's – so we're going to talk a lot about 2002, the the playoff series in particular. But let's let's go back in time a little bit and talk about Kip Miller's kind of coming to the NHL. So he is from Lansing, Michigan originally. It's going to be very important. He was a center. Uh, he was drafted by the Quebec Nordiques in 1987 in the fourth round. And that's how you know a guy is very old when he was drafted by the Quebec Nordiques. Um, it's happened a couple of times in this series. Uh, and he played originally for Quebec, uh, but then he was traded to Minnesota for Steve Maltus uh, in uh, March of 92. And then he began the tour, signing with a series of teams uh, as a free agent over the next couple of years. He signs with San Jose in August of 93. He signed with the Islanders the first time in July of 94, played eight games with them that year, left, signed with Chicago in July of 95, re-signed with the Islanders in November of 97, didn't get too many games in there. Or, yeah, he got nine games in. He actually scored his first goal with the Islanders in that 97-98 season. He ended up getting claimed by the Penguins from the Islanders in the waiver draft, which is how the Islanders would get. Chris Osgood a couple of years later. And it's here that he really kind of established himself. He ended up having uh, 19 goals for the Penguins and 77 games in 98, 99. And uh, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty good run, 42 points. Uh, and he would actually do that again the next year, although he would get traded to the ducks uh, midway through the season. So, but he ended up again, 42 points only with 10 goals and 32 assists as opposed to 19 goals and 23 assists. So he started to establish himself as, as a, pretty good player and, and a useful one at that a guy who could score who could check who could play against the boards that kind of thing and really didn't do anything wrong like mike said it was just a, a solid contributor on both ends of the ice re-signed with the penguins in 2000 played another season there and in january of 2002 he was in the ahl as greg mentioned playing for grand rapids and uh the islanders came calling again to make him according to wikipedia and Greg and I were joking about this uh, just before we came on. Apparently, Kip Miller is the only man to have ever played for the New York Islanders in three separate stints, which is kind of mind-boggling, right? Like, they've had a lot of guys play for this team over the last 50 years. You're telling me Kip Miller is the only one that's played for them three times? That's pretty wild. I mean, I certainly wouldn't have guessed him, right? I mean, I mean, maybe you would have, Mike. I don't know. You're, no, you're the big Kip Miller fan. <laughs> no, I, 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 knew, I knew it was the, the truth, but like in, in – in your head, you you'd think oh, it had to be someone completely right. off the wall that that I'm not thinking of. And uh, I was going to no. say, I feel like there was a Radic Martinez comment yeah. coming in there, but yeah, exactly. very yeah. short stint yeah. in between in yes. Columbus. But you know, he had a long long stay with the Islanders, went to Columbus, right. and then kind of came yeah. back again. So technically, only yeah. two stints. Well, and you never know; he could 
he could we could still get the third rat extent you you never you can never count him out um but he uh and and look miller another reason we love this 0102 team was Mm. that's uh miller and and radic martinek were teammates you know yes (laughs) that's uh i forgot to mention that uh the Michigan native went to Michigan State and won a Hobie Baker. So, I mean, it wasn't like he kind of came out of nowhere. But, it, again, in 2002, he just he wasn't signed to an NHL deal. Maybe he was waiting. I couldn't find a whole lot of information as to, like, how he got signed here. I don't know if he was, like, waiting for another opportunity. But January 16th, 2002, he signed with the Islanders and immediately jump-started their offense again. Seven points, 17 uh, excuse me, seven goals, 17 assists, 24 points in 37 games down the stretch. Um, Greg, do you have like any recollection of like this regular season time with Kit Miller kind of showing up and being like, damn, where'd they get this guy from? Not so much. Um, I did find an article that said that him and Ted Donato were signed on the same day. And then Jim mm-hmm. Cummins was acquired in a trade just two days later. So uh-huh. you picked up three guys in a three day span. Mm-hmm. Donato only was an Islander for another 12 days. And that was of course not his first stint with right. the Islanders. He was claimed off waivers by LA. Um, and then Jim Cummins, he, he made a, a decent impact, obviously a little bit of a different player, but I guess it's similar to, and very different careers, but still midway through the season, making the signing to try to jumpstart the offense a little bit as two years later when Cliff Ronning, Sign yeah. and that I have a very strong recollection of, <laughs> and so although yes, Kit Miller did not have the same overall career that Cliff Ronning had. Ronning mm. was right at the end. It was still that it was probably around January when those both those signings happened, and and mm. they kind mm. of were just along the same path. Right. Yeah, it's funny. It seemed like Millberry kind of cornered the market on, on that kind of move, which was just bringing a guy who wasn't in the NHL into kind of just inject some life into an offense that, that maybe it went stagnant or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, one of them is Cliff Ronning. And I, mm. I still, to this day can remember his, his Coliseum debut and just being like, I cannot believe that Cliff Ronning. Cliff if Ronning I remember, I'm sorry, by the way, next year. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I think with Cliff Ronning and not before we go on a completely different tangent, um, that was right after Yashin had his, like tendon sliced. Yeah, his wrist. Right. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, it was right after that was when they signed Cliff Ronning to to try to make up for Yashin, right. who they knew would be out for an extended period of yeah. time. That was the weirdest goal because that was a, a that was on a goal, and like the entire Coliseum just got quiet yeah. after celebrating for half a second because they saw the skate blade come down. And he was in a lot of pain. But again, that's for a different episode of Weird Islanders. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that man, that we they could write a book on the like significant injuries that derailed Islander seasons and that Yashin tendon thing would, would get its own chapter. Cause they were, they were good that year and that, yeah. that really derailed them. Um, but yeah, so, so uh, Miller comes in and uh, oh, by the way, I should mention, so the guy played for the Islanders three separate times and he wore three different numbers. It was, he wore <laughs> number 10 in 94, 95, number 54 in 97, 98. And here the most you know famous really time period he, to me, he was always number 11. So I was yeah. kind of surprised again to find that he wore two numbers that were not 11. But uh, again, this team was was damn good. They had a, a bit of a mushy middle section of the season, but they started strong and they ended strong. And they almost won the Atlantic Division. They go to the playoffs. And of course, who is there uh, standing in front of them? But it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
And they've got this all-star team of Sundin and McGillney and Roberts and all these guys. And here come the Islanders. And uh, the Leafs, of course, win the first two games of the series. The Islanders win game three. And it's game four where the legend of Kip Miller really starts to kind of bubble up. Because, again, this is a great note that you added to our uh, list here, Greg, is that he had no points in the first three games of the series. <laughs> so he, he ended up scoring again, four goals and two assists in and two, two periods. Cause in, of game four, he didn't pick up his first point until the third period with only six and a half minutes to go of uh, game four. So while it says seven games, four goals, two assists, really what we're talking about is four games, four goals, two assists, six points for Kit Miller. Uh, he, yeah, he had a goal, an important goal in, um, that the, what would now be known as the Sean Bates game. But I mean, they wouldn't get to that point if it wasn't for Kit Miller's goal in that series, in that game as well. And, uh, he ended up scoring goals in each of the next four games, which is like, again, crazy. That's a crazy run to go on for one guy in, in a single playoff series. That's unbelievable. By the way, before we get totally into the Leaf series, I don't know if you guys remember this, but because you mentioned almost won the Atlantic Division, I do remember, strangely enough, being so angry I had to root for the Rangers with <laughs> like two days left in the regular season because they were playing the Flyers. And for the Islanders to have any chance of winning the division, they needed the Rangers to beat the Flyers. Yeah. But that didn't happen. And so the Islanders played what was probably a meaningless game, 82 Yep. I don't know if there were any implications between the yeah. fifth and sixth seeds, but they beat the Flyers after not having yep. a chance to win the division game 82. So, I, yeah, I, was, I remember it being at that that Flyers game, and the, yeah, the Islanders won, I want to say like 4-0. Four, four like they, they won that game mm. pretty handily. And uh, I just remember that Hammerlick, I know Hammerlick scored and Claude Lapointe scored in that game. And mm. I, I just remember feeling like it was important that Claude Lapointe scored the last goal of the season before they went into the, the playoffs. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, cause he'd been there for so long and hadn't made it with the team yet. Mm. So I, yeah, I remember that was, it was even as a, a, an 11 year old, I just remember feeling weird watching that game, knowing that it was meaningless and you just don't want mm. anyone to get hurt. Uh, but then like the, the kind of anticipation of what, for what was to come, it was yeah. starting to become palpable. Cause this was obviously a fan base that was just delirious for playoff hockey. Mm. And they got it in spades. Uh, that series was, yeah. I I I really wonder if that series played out like um how they the the next two that they were in against Tampa and Ottawa, or even you know the the one against Carolina this year, which was you know just kind of traditional and not not too many like hallmark hallmark moments. If you know, I'd be sitting here talking to you guys today because <laughs> all of a sudden you, you you get thrown into your first experience as a human being of Stanley Cup playoff hockey, and it's that series. Yeah, and that I that just that series and that experience I think is why uh, people of Greg and my vintage fans are are the way we are. Like that, we make sure that we're in the building for playoff games and take advantage of him. We always talk about not taking these moments for granted because they don't come around a lot. Right. But I also think it was like, yeah, th that was our first experience. So no wonder we go, you know, go, <laughs> we get the fangs out when, when the Islanders make the, the tournament because that series just, man, it was, and I, I, I feel like I, I, I want to bed scared every night. Like, and I'm we afraid. know, 
you guys talk about the Leafs, you know, more than uh, some <laughs> fans do of other teams. You can say that. <laughs> other fans don't realize is how much the Leafs have meant to a multiple ge- generations of Islander yes. fans because yes. obviously 02, we had the disdain for the Leafs for a long time. But before the dynasty got started, mm. 78 was when the Leafs yeah. upset the Islanders in game seven overtime goal by mm. Lanny McDonald. And my radio partner, Chris King, says that that was his worst moment as a child <laughs> watching the Islanders right. because he. He cried after after that imagine. goal by Lanny yeah. McDonald, the same way that I cried after Game Seven ended and the Islanders lost to the Leafs. So it's been multiple decades, and feels like uh, there's always something that uh, that brings it back to life. And you throw in a uh, general, um, shall we say, um, condescension from uh, certain uh, fan bases, I think, towards the Islanders, uh, stemming from uh, the center of the hockey universe. I think, yeah, all that stuff uh, definitely uh, contributes. And uh, yeah, to me, I mean, I was I was in the building for game three of this series because I was like, I'm not missing this. Like, this is the first this is the first playoff game in seven years. You're going to have to drag me out of there with wild horses or by gunpoint because I'm going. And uh, it was insane. And I mean, the, the game itself was not, you know, it wasn't close. I, th- I think it was uh, I have it right here with six one six you know? one and, with and, uh, yeah. four power play goals by the end. Yeah. And, but it was a party like that. That was the <laughs> yeah. first game I had been to ever. And I had you know gone to a million Islanders games at that point that felt like a party. It was awesome. <laughs> and I will never forget that game as long as I live where I sat at the Coliseum. Uh, but yeah, I'll so never, also like the aesthetic, the aesthetic of the Coliseum at the time, because yeah. the home jerseys were white, yes. was so cool with the white, yeah. like the kind of it was, I, I, I don't know if it was a purposeful whiteout like they the did yeah i remember they had whiteout i think they took advertisements out in newsday that were supposed to be actual whiteouts you know make sure you wore your white jersey or <sighs> white t-shirt or anything and it looked so good it yeah. it just looked so good on tv that small building with just all these people w- waving white rally towels wearing white jerseys uh <laughs> you know th- th- it was still kind of in this weird few months after um you know, after September 11th too. So there was just Mm. like this kind of camaraderie around the fan base and like just what sports mean to people at the time as well. Like it's hard to find a a more galvanizing moment, I think as a fan, like in across of any sports, like I, I keep thinking about it like all the time that I keep, I always think about the series and really always wonder if, you know, if I hadn't been exposed to the Islanders and Leafs and Kit Miller, (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, Kip Miller didn't score, score a couple big goals. Right. And that led to uh, Sean Bates scoring a penalty yeah. shot in game four and me being in the building for it. Like, you know, would I be talking about the, the goddamn New York Knicks or something? I don't know. <laughs> and, so, and game three was the first one where things got out of hand as well. Yes. Penalty minute wise. Game one the combined 32 penalty. Uh, no, pardon me. 26 penalty minutes. Game two there were 22 penalty minutes. And then all of a sudden game three, things went wild. The Islanders had 62 and the Leafs had 76 in game three alone. Yeah. The third period was insane. It was, it was a war zone. Uh, and you know, the Leafs, it makes sense. First blowout of the series. Sure. Yeah. And they, they wanted to, you know, they were getting beat up. They wanted to, you know, sort of send the message as we've heard before, but game four happens. And, uh, yeah. So the Leafs were up two one, after two periods and who ties the game halfway through the third period, it's Kip Miller. <laughs> and uh, then it was uh, Roman Hamerlick put the Islanders up, Shane Corson tied the game. And of course that sets up Sean Bates's goal. 
Islanders win 4-3, even the series. We go back to Toronto. Uh, game five was not great for the Islanders. They lost 6-3, but it was 2-0 Leafs in the first period. Who scores to make it 2-1 just before the end of the first period? You got it. Kit Miller. <laughs> and then <laughs> things kind of went off the rails from there. We'll go to game six. Back on the island, Islanders win 5-3. They're up uh, 3-2 going into the third period. Who gets the key goal very early in the third? It's Kit Miller. Down the ice, broken up. Ball reached for it, didn't get there. Back in for Hunter on the Islanders. He is stopped by McCabe. Miller comes in to help. Steals the puck, gets a shot. And the Islanders are up 4-2 four, <laughs> four at that point, and they just kind of rode their way all the way to the end. So, like, and it's funny, again, we'll talk about, we'll set aside game seven in a second, but, like, I don't remember specifically these goals. And that's what's so crazy to me is this, I was as excited as I was. Maybe it's just, like, kind of being overtaken by emotion, but, like, I don't remember Kit Miller t- scoring this, you know, insurance goal, this key insurance goal, or making that game 2-1 or whatever, um, but he was at these places and it's almost like uncanny, like, whoa, Kip Miller, <laughs> he was, he was awesome in this series. It was, it was pretty crazy. And of course, you know, as the series goes on, they lose Pekka, they use Janssen. And like Mike said, they need people to step up and who's the guy doing every, I mean, a lot of people stepped up to be honest, in seven games. It's a hard fought series, but like, man, Kip Miller really, really stepped up for a guy who wasn't even on the team in January you know, until mid-January, he really showed up. This was crazy. And, like, you could start seeing things build. And so, like, for you, Greg, was this, like, when, like we said before, was this, like, when the legend of Kit Miller started forming, like, when these when these goals started getting scored in the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. Because you, you're looking like we always talk about Sean Bates. And <laughs> for great reason. And love seeing him in the building whenever there's a playoff yeah. game. When we're back at the Coliseum during the, the, uh, the 2021 <laughs> run. And even at UBS Arena this year, he's he's always good to show up for at least one game per series. So we always talk about Sean Bates. But there are other heroes yeah. that uh, were a big part of why this was such a memorable series. And yes, yeah. Eric Cairns ta- has probably talked about second most other than <laughs> Sean Bates. And not because of his scoring ability, but because of what happened at the end of game six. But this doesn't go seven games if it wasn't for Kip Miller. We don't get these moments if it wasn't for Kip Miller and him all of a sudden just finding lightning in a bottle (laughs) and being one of the the best players in this series, which is still regarded and will forever be regarded as one of the best first-round playoff series, which is also amazing because there were no overtime games. Even... If you look, there was only one game that was decided by a single goal. Now, there are some empty netters that that accounted for that, but it's just everything that happened between these two teams and even the fan bases. 
That's crazy. Yeah, it was it was like a war on the senses. This this series, <laughs> like the horns going off, the the white out in your eyes, like the sounds, the the absolute violence on the ice. Mm-hmm. Eric, I'll there's there's things that I've uh, there's probably two or three videos or clips or highlights in my life that I've seen more than Eric Karen skating off the ice in Game Six and just pounding, <laughs> giving Sean Bates the Bates the fist pump on the way down the tunnel. After yep. after he demolished Shane Corson, and then Corson got suspended for Game Seven because he kicked him, and I was yeah. I was so pumped because I was like, "All right, they they don't have Corson, we're uh, yeah we're, we're in business here." And uh, I yeah, like like Greg, I I ended up in tears after uh, mm. after that Game Seven. Um, but who who had a goal in it was our yep. guy, you know, like yeah. Guy. So let's get. To the fateful game seven, uh, which would eventually be a 4-2 Islanders loss. Uh, they opened the scoring, actually. It was Alexei Yashin, but then Gary Roberts scored to tie the game before the end of the first, and then the second. Who should have been only- suspended for the rest of the series after his hit on Kenny Jansen. Yeah. Yes. He wasn't even, he wasn't even penalized. Game, game five. Yeah, no, I think no, he got a penalty. He got a major no. penalty, but wasn't kicked out of the game. All right. All right. Where no, he should have been. The only, I think the only suspension in that series was Corson. Yeah. And uh and I remember you know Mike Milbury going to the papers I think after game 2 and being like this is mm. a, a joke and I think Claude Lapointe's famous quote was they're still treating us like losers uh and then the Islanders came mm. you know and I say famous quote I mean <laughs> seven, 17 people know what I'm talking about but very famous <laughs> among these circles um but uh yeah then they they come shot out of a cannon and into that game 7 and this team yeah. I think this group of players like I trust these guys with my mm. life. Like if this team showed up in front of my house or like playing street hockey and my life depended on them beating the other team, mm. I would trust, you know, Adrian O'Coin. I trust Adrian O'Coin yeah. with my life. I trust Kip Miller with my life. I trust Chris Osgood with my life. Like that is what this team means to me. And that's why it was so heartbreaking that they lost this game. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Adrian O'Coin because if you look at his stat line in this series, now, I, remember, I just said none of the games went to overtime. Game seven, he played 37 minutes and 42 seconds. He's a machine. He's just a machine. Out of 60 minutes. <laughs> he had already played three other games over 33 minutes. Yeah. And then game seven, he plays 37-42. I mean, this guy, he, he was inhuman. Like, and I mean that in the best and, possible way, right? Like, and the other thing about him is he was acquired at the draft, or I think maybe a day before the, the draft in June of 2001. And all the talk, even since Yashin, Pekka, Osgood were acquired that offseason, but Adrian Acoin was just as valuable, if not more valuable, you could say, to that team. Yeah. I remember yep. a buddy of mine being juiced that they got Adrian Acoin. They're like, no, no, you don't understand how good this guy is. And I'm like, I, I guess not. Cause I've only heard of him. I don't know that much about him, but he was so jazzed and he was 100% right about it. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, this guy's awesome. I love this. Yeah. Guy. He got Norris votes. I'm just looking at his ho- yes. hockey reference. He was the two, two times top 10 Norris votes for the Islanders in his three years. I, and, and you know, he was, he was a huge mm. part of the team was because after that lockout and he went to Chicago, um, I was so upset that they lost him and, I remember having a conversation like on MikeMusco.com or something, and and someone's like, "This, you know, it's it's past. He's past his prime. He was going to get a big contract. We got to worry about the salary cap now. We, we had no chance of signing him." And I was like, ah, "I don't know, man. This that was the first cap casualty that really cut me to the core. Um, and and yeah. and I forever miss him. And and I hope that he considers himself an Islander. I know he played mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, a bunch of other places and was at other places for longer. But yeah, I would assume that this was his his oh, yeah. sa- his salad days were on the island. I think. Well, he was on uh, he was on uh, Hockey Night New York, and he sounded very very happy to be talking about his days with the Islanders. I think he remembers them fondly. Uh, it was the best man. He was he was, he was on was, Vancouver yeah. longer. But that was in the late 90s when the Canucks were not very good. And then he also did have a nice run with the Coyotes. He was a a Coyote for three years, but the year they went to the conference final was his last year in in Phoenix. Right. And he he played with the Lightning before they were very good, too. So, uh, but yeah, Yeah. so I think he, and I mean, this series I'm sure is tattooed on his mind as is everybody else's. And uh, so back to game seven. So, yeah, the Islanders are down 3 1 going into the third. Four minutes and 23 seconds into the period, who scores to make it 3-2? It's Kip Miller. Roman Hanover. Pass to center, Skatcher. Right side. Catch for Miller. Scores! Miller, quick shot. And it caught the short side high. And the Islanders are back in the game. It is 3-2. Well, Miller has got four goals in the last four games. Six total points as he snapped a high one like he did in game six by Joseph. It's a two-on-two rush. There should be no danger at all. And you can see that Lume gets Miller to shoot from outside the dot. Even though he's a left-handed shot coming down the right wing, Curtis Joseph got to get that one. Short side. Miller, hard shot, I know, but short side. And room up top. And it got in. And the Islanders are right back in this game. I can tell you a quick story. This is when I was living in my first apartment in Brooklyn with my best friend, Gio. And we were watching the game. Of course, my stomach was in knots going into that third period. I didn't know what to think. I was preparing for the worst. My friend Gio gets up to use the bathroom. And while he's in there, Kip Miller scores to make it (laughs) 3-2. And as soon as he walked out, I said, get the hell back in the bathroom right now because they just made a 3-2. So that was the key. Get back in there. He's like, I'm not going back in the bathroom. I'm like, well, then you just jinxed it. I was very high strung. I was very angry. <laughs> I don't blame Gio uh, for the loss here. But again, this was a guy who just showed up. He was Johnny on the spot again. And this to me is the the ultimate Kit Miller moment. Like I, this was my moment of like, this guy is an island. He's this is etching his name in my Islanders lore. Personally, was him making that game three two, and McGillney iced it with the empty netter uh, with about you know forty seconds to go. But for the most of that period, the Islanders had a chance to to tie the game and maybe get a first overtime you know game in there. But uh, you know, uh, if not for Kit Miller, that that game would have played out a lot differently. And uh, I mean, Greg, what is your recollection of of this fateful goal uh, that was scored by our man? I just remember it being an exciting third period and why I, as a 10 year old, just absolutely lost it and yeah. was bawling after <laughs> Alex Mogilney scored because that, that was going to be it. This team that had so much promise, it was such a fun season. And, you know, I'm, I think I'm what one year younger than Mike. So we're mm-hmm. very much in the same, uh, same age bracket to make this team such an important part of our, our childhood and why I, I was 27 so at the us. time. And I was, <laughs> so you, were you crying you guys were. I, I wasn't not tears. I remember just being sort of catatonic and just being like, this is a totally alien experience for me now because it had been so long since this team had been in the playoffs. I didn't know how to react. Like, I was just like, I, I don't know what to, how to feel right now. It was 
It's everything kind of went haywire. No tears, but I definitely remember feeling just my insides were just kind of all over the place. I didn't really know what to, how to, what to, to make of what I was watching. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm guessing that if Kit Miller did not score and the third period was essentially 3-1 all yeah. the way until the end, the tears wouldn't have been quite as dramatic. Uh, because true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one, essentially a one-goal game because of the empty right. net goal that you, you feel like you're right there. Yeah, that was the thing. I'm just thinking about this game. I can still feel. I can still. Feel I remember what TV I, I was watching on in the house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, me too. I was in the basement of my friend's house, um, and my my mom came and picked me up right after the game ended, mm. and she just knew I was going to be a wreck, and she was right. Mm. Um, and then a couple days later, you know, I, st- I, I I like you. I just didn't really know how to react to it because it's like it's really over. There's such it's such a finality when when the season when a season like this ends, especially. Mm. You know, there are some seasons where you feel like you're building towards something, um, and this one had a different feel to it. I think because it it was our our chance to come back into the playoffs, and this was a really good team. There they had a chance to do it. Like this team could have kept going, and uh, I know you say that about every team, but. They could have with with Osgood and goal and that the star power up front and I know that they lost Pekka and whatever but they they, they were something about this team and yeah I got, I got home and I just remember th- laying in my bed and like almost being petulant about it like <laughs> like I, I'm being mad at like my my siblings and parents just because I was grumpy about the loss and mm-hmm. I, I just didn't handle it well and then I remember a couple days later. Charles Wong and the Islanders took out a full page ad in Newsday mm, and it was like to, to the this. fans like you were the wind beneath our wings and it was like a great picture of Bates being you know mobbed by his teammates and stuff and, and that newspaper clipping was hanging in my bedroom for so long next mm. to next to pictures of like Bruno Gervais and Chris Campoli autographs and and other stuff and uh I, and it got it got to be you know just completely weathered and turned yellow and I had to take it down and and I remember the feeling taking it that taking that newspaper clipping off the wall in my bedroom like seven or eight years later and thinking back to that Mogil in the empty netter and being able to back then recall the exact feeling that I felt when that puck went in. So now I can recall the feeling of recalling the feeling of that empty (laughs) net goal, which just shows goes to show you how important a seven game first round playoff series loss was. And just how important playoff hockey is, like, because you get you get these heroes, you get Kip, Kip Miller and you get Sean Bates, and mm. like Sean Bates' life changed yeah. in that series. My life changed, Greg's life changed, mm. Sean Bates' life changed, all because of the same thing. Like it's it's this this team was the best. If they had won that series, now it would have been more difficult to go on a real run because Pekka was out and Kenny Anson, he yeah. I'm sure still dealing with what happened to him in Game Five. But what made it even more difficult to swallow was the one seed, the Bruins, were upset. The two seed, the Flyers, were upset. And it was the Senators that beat the Flyers. So it would have actually been a second-round series between the Islanders having home ice and the Senators one year removed from the Alexi Ashen trade. So imagine going from that first round to that second-round series. Of obviously the the Leafs and Senators had a a darn good rivalry in those days, and that won seven games in the second round. But that's how close the Islanders were to to really making a run because they would have been one of the favorites to go on. And they actually, it, it, really talking hypotheticals here, but if they had won that series, knocked out the Leafs, they would have had the highest 
the most points of any team left in the Eastern Conference from their regular season because Carolina was a three seed, but they had won their weak Southeast division. So they only had 91 points to the Islanders, 96. And we all know Carolina went on and lost to the the Red Wings. I think everybody in the East was pretty much just uh, playing to see who would lose to 11 (laughs) Hall of Famers in Detroit. But it's true. Well, I would have been. They were right there. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right. Could you, oh man, could you have imagined? Chris Osgood in the finals <laughs> against the Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> well, the, the home opener that year was memorable yeah. against Detroit. Yes. Right. Where they tied it up in the last minute and, and won it in overtime. The yeah. Red Wings did. Yeah. Brendan Shanahan. I, you know, I, I talk a lot about how, you know, Brendan Shanahan is a villain of mine and I'll never forget him walking off the ice in that game and like chirping fans. Mm. Like this, this game, this, that, that was a coming out party for the fan base of the team. And, and this guy's trying to make it about himself. Like, come on, Brendan. <laughs> Some things never change. Uh, so, yeah, so that was, you know, Kip Miller's, again, his, his big moment. They came so close, but, again, the season ended. What a great resurgence season it was, and uh, we didn't know what to make of the uh, the off season. But uh, at one point, I guess it was decided that Kip Miller wasn't going to come back, and they didn't re-sign him or, or extend him, and he ended up signing with the Capitals, and I'll be honest, I have no recollection of him signing with the Capitals whatsoever. But boy, he he put together a couple of really good seasons. He had a 50-point season, 12 goals and 38 assists that first year, 2002-2003, playing on a line with some guy named Yarmir Yager. Uh, and uh, apparently they had great chemistry from back in their Pittsburgh days together. And, uh, you know, Miller was was very underrated as a passer. And so people kind of wanted to set, you know have him set up Yager, and he did that pretty well. Uh, and then 03-04 was his last season in the NHL. It was just uh, it, it, he kind of fell off only 31 points on nine goals and 22 assists. He only played 66 games, so I'm assuming he, he probably got hurt or stuff. Uh, he did hang around in the IHL and the well, the AHL for a little while because he went right back to Grand Rapids and he played for the Griffins for a while. He played with the Chicago Wolves in the AHL and he finished up, believe it or not, in 06 07, which doesn't feel like that long ago, with the Grand Rapids Griffins of the AHL and Damn, he had a 72-point season. He had 25 goals and 47 assists. That's great. He was 37 years old. So, uh, you know, it was quite a career. Now, never won a, never won a Stanley Cup. Played for uh, how many different teams here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams. Uh, again, with the Islanders three times, the Penguins twice. Uh, again, he played with the Quebec Nordiques, for God's sakes. The Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Uh, and uh, But I'll tell you. You know, as far as as players go, he was a memorable one, despite maybe not having you know the same kind of profile, particularly like at this time in the late '90s. You know, we were talking about guys like Shanahan, Eiserman, Fedorov. I mean, the entire Red Wing, but then also Hashik and and Modano and Solani and all these guys. But he's not in their stratosphere, obviously. But you know, this was a useful player. <laughs> like this guy was, he was not like a fourth line grinder. This was a guy who could play with any star and show up when, when he really needed it. And I got to tell you, I was a little surprised to find this out. Cause to me, he, he was a guy who scored one important goal in a gut wrenching loss, but you start digging in Kit Miller and boy, you find an awful lot. It's pretty impressive. One other note about him. His brother, Kelly Miller was an assistant mm-hmm. coach for the Islanders mm-hmm. in 2001, 2002. So, it's yeah, so be Kevin, pretty funny. Yeah. Kevin and Kelly are his brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they all played at Michigan State. Uh, yeah, Kelly was an assistant coach for the Isles. Kevin Miller. Yes, exactly. <laughs> cousins Ryan and Drew. 
Right. Uh, so yeah, Kevin played for the Islanders. Kelly was an assistant coach for the Islanders. Uh, Ryan was a longtime uh, nemesis of the Islanders playing for Buffalo. And Drew Miller was the guy that Matt Martin made fun of on that uh, HBO show when he was playing for the Red Wings, told him to go dye his hair again. It's the fucking National League. What? Do that shit in the minors. Hey, you were in the minors longer than me, you dumb fuck. Don't fucking do stupid shit. Go dye your hair. Good one. One of my favorite Mad Martin moments of all time. Uh, so, yeah. So, a lot of history here between the Millers and the Islanders. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is pretty crazy. I mean, I, I you know, I kind of almost wish that I had followed his AHL career at the end more. Because that, that's pretty impressive to, you know, a lot of guys hang around the AHL when they get older. But, man, to put up 72 points at 37 years old, 25 goals, that's, that's pretty good. I don't care if it's the AHL. That's pretty darn good. And before he was an Islander on this go around. He spent a lot of time in the IHL when the yes. IHL was pretty much equivalent. And you could say even better than the AHL. Yeah. And he won an MVP. He mm. won the championship with Butch Goring in 1995 and the Denver right. Grizzlies. So uh, he had a, a pretty storied career, not just uh, mm. in the NHL. I would definitely say so. Yeah. You look pretty at crazy. his, you just look at his like hockey reference or Wikipedia. Mm. And the, the term that comes to mind is, just a hockey lifer. I mean, yeah. he's all over the place. He he touched right. every bit of this comp, uh, continent <laughs> playing hockey. Yeah. And, you know, he, mm-hmm. he has a little bit of, um, you know, Jeff Hamilton or, or Randy Robitaille to him too. It feels like where mm-hmm. he just couldn't, he couldn't carry over the, the great numbers he put up in the, whether, you know, the AHL or European leagues for the other guys into the NHL. Mm-hmm. But when he was with us, yeah. Jason Krog, Jason Krog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, but these guys with us, like they, they made an impact. So yeah, it's crazy. So, so let's try and answer the question that Mike posed before and Greg, I'll throw it to you. Do we think that Kip Miller knows what his Islanders legacy is? Cause we do talk about that on this show a lot with guys like Ryan Smith, you know, they come in here, they're not here for very long and then they leave. And I do, do you think that they know that 20 years after they played for the Islanders, that there's three guys sitting on uh, their computers talking about him for for an hour long podcast. I, I don't know. I would think Kit Miller probably does, but what do we think? I think so because like we mentioned, he only played in four playoff series. Mm-hmm. And although he had a good run with the Penguins that one year, he went two rounds. Yeah. This was a classic series. Oh and God, yeah. I'm sure that he has talked about this series plenty <laughs> of times to people when just looking back at his NHL career. And his brother was part of that team too, as an assistant coach. So yeah. you know it comes up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, like, I I think he probably knows that he was a part of something special, right. and 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 he knows he probably knows that that team broke a hoodoo, a big mm-hmm. hoodoo for this this franchise, and kind of was the the catapult back into like um, you know relevance in the league, and uh, but. Do I think that he knows his impact in that short time? It was enough that Greg and I can, and you can all recall call exactly where we were when he scored a goal yeah. in game seven in a losing effort. Uh, no, he probably would call the cops on us. <laughs> well, that, that's everybody we do on the show. They're probably yeah, yeah. call the cops on us. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's, but you know, I, I think you maybe know, we'll, we'll, we should try. There's one way to find this out for sure. And that would be for Greg, 
to get Kip Miller on his fantastic Talking Isles podcast that he <laughs> co-hosts with Corey Wright. Uh, how about that for a segue? Uh, I'm assuming everybody who's listened to this has listened to Talking Isles. If you have not, if you're behind, you have to catch up because this to me is is a must-listen show. Uh, we were talking about my favorite episodes before. They all happen to be goalies because goalies, let's be honest, they're a little touched in the head. But the Jamie McLennan one I, stands out to me as so fantastic. He tells a great story about uh, Billy Smith getting him to uh, basically fight a mascot, which is <laughs> something you don't hear every day. And he and some stories about you know backing up Ron Hextall. But I mean, all of these episodes are fantastic. The Freddie Meyer episode was great. Uh, there's a little crossover with Weird Islanders. We both did Michael Haley episodes. But I'm going to be blunt. I am very jealous because you did a Brad Boys episode and we have not yet. So uh, what's your favorite part of, of doing this with these guys? Is there like a, you know, is it finding out these stories that maybe they haven't told before? Is it kind of hearing what they had to say about playing with the Islanders and their memories of that? Is, is there a certain aspect of it that, that makes it really satisfying? I think the first thing that you said, getting them to tell stories either that they haven't told before or haven't told in many, many years. <laughs> and our goal with this podcast was to be evergreen. So you hmm. could go back and listen to episode one, which was our debut with Bobby Nystrom 10 years from now. And hmm. the stories haven't changed. It, yeah. it You don't have to be current to today. You could go on a long road trip cross country and learn so much about Islanders history hearing him from the players, from the broadcasters. We got Jigs, we got Kinger, we got Stan Fischler, Brendan Burke, Shannon Hogan. We got so many different characters from Islanders history. Uh, mm -hmm. Two of our best episodes had to have been back-to-back -back February of 2022 because we had a couple of gold medal winners in AJ Maletsko and Kenny Morrow. And right. those are two episodes that really stand out because that's obviously not just Islanders. And, and that's actually a big part of our goal is to not just talk Islanders. We talk about right. their journeys to the NHL or, or to the broadcast booth in the example of some of the other, other characters. And there's just so much to learn from Islanders in NHL history. If yeah. you just sit down and, and listen to them all. And again, yeah. I, I tell anybody who's an Islander fan that's gearing up for a road trip, download a bunch of episodes because it, <laughs> you'll, you'll learn a lot and uh, yeah. time will fly. Yeah, I, the couple of things I like too were in the Lee Okamarov and Michael Grabner episodes. You hear about like their time playing in Europe and and the KHL and in Leo's case, and that's the kind of stuff we don't really hear, you know. And like you know, we think of these guys as Islanders, and we know from when they got here. But uh, it's it's fascinating, and I love that you guys cover you know, a, a whole, a wide range. I mean, you've got 50 years to choose from here. So you'll have episodes with, like you said, you know, Dwayne Sutter is here, but then there's Michael Grabner and then there's Kelly Rudy and there's Johnny Boychuk and got Benoit Hoag. So it's guys that covered a lot of ground and uh, no, it's fascinating. And, and, you know, a lot of times too, it's, you know, we, I, and I find this too on this show as well. If you ask the right question, they'll just go off. And they'll just give, they'll give you a great answer that you don't even have to do anything. You just sit back and listen, and it's just it's just fascinating. Uh, and I, I love it. I'm, I hope you guys keep keep doing them. Fortunately, there's a there's a lot of people still left to get, but uh, it's great. Yeah, we have it's a lot of fun with it. And uh, you know, one other fairly recent episode I wanted to mention was Dave Lewis because he was part of building the dynasty, but was traded right before the dynasty yeah. actually got there. He was in the Butch Goring trade. And think about the stories he has playing for the Islanders in the seventies, playing in Los Angeles in the eighties, and then being a coach for the Red Wings in the nineties and early two thousands. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a type of podcast um, that whenever I listen to it, I just feel like my mood perks up a little bit. Like it just, it, it, yes. you know, you can put your finger on a dial and 
you just I go from maybe having like a five afternoon and then put on an episode and I listen to Freddie Meyer and, and all of a sudden that afternoon becomes a seven. And that's that's yeah. uh, that's good because there's a lot of hockey podcasts that that you can listen to and and we we riff on them here and I'm just like, why am I listening to this? I don't yeah. I don't really care about the Ottawa Senators sale anymore. <laughs> I, I'd much rather listen to Fre- Freddie Meyer talk about the Islanders. Yeah. I love when I get my BU guys on Freddie Meyer, Sean Bates. I get to ask them about their time at Boston <laughs> University, and I, I like, ease them into the the Islander talks. Hey, tell me about playing for Jack Parker. Yeah, <laughs> love that one. Yeah, no, the, yeah, the Freddie Meyer one is great too. But yeah, no, they're they're, they're all great. I mean, these guys are all really like open, and again, they're all they're all kind of, I guess, connected by. And I keep saying guys, but again, there are episodes with Shannon Hogan and AJ Malesko, and they're all the connection between all of them is they love being Islanders and, and playing for the Islanders and working for the Islanders. And it's, and it's really great. And again, it's a, it's a real feel good podcast. You know, you don't, you don't see too many of those, uh, particularly in the sports world, but uh, this is one. So again, if you're out there and you haven't listened, I urge you, I, I can't urge you enough really to, to go listen to it. Uh, and every week when they come out, uh, Greg, this has been a lot of fun. I hope you had a great time. And again, we, we can't thank you enough for coming on. I mean, it's obviously you're, super busy throughout the regular season, but uh, I'm glad you were able to find a little bit of um, you know time in the off season to come on. So, uh, I mean, what are you looking forward to uh, for the rest of the off season? What, what's your plans here? You got draft stuff for coming up or free agency stuff? We'll see um, what the off season holds in store. I usually don't have a ton of mm-hmm. Islanders duties, but uh, whenever my name gets called, I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> but uh, talking Isles is, is always a big part of it. So that's yeah. talking without the G. <laughs> of course <laughs> and uh yeah and uh, so where can every not that everybody listening to this isn't already following you on twitter but we always say this where can everybody find you on twitter so they can get more i am at greg picker here uh don't have too too much going on during the off season but uh sometimes during the regular season you'll find a good statistical yeah. nugget that uh i want to get out there <laughs> not just to the radio broadcast Dale, everybody should be following Greg if you're not already. And uh, thanks again for coming on. And thank you so much for being our season finale guest. We, we can't thank you enough because we, we wanted to go big and we got you. So I'm very excited. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and thanks to everybody for, uh, for being great guests and, and listening uh, all season long. We've had a ton of fun and uh, we'll be back next season with a ton more guests and a ton more weird Islanders. Michael Leboff, any final thoughts on Islander superstar Kip Miller, uh, one of our favorites? Yeah, everybody's everybody's got their guys, right? Like, it's there's no rhyme or reason to it. Maybe your guy was like Louis Soho if you were a Yankee fan or something. I love and Louis Soho. <laughs> there you go, right? Like, we all got our guys. Everyone's got your guys in sports, uh, and and there's just some guys that just that, that they draw you, they draw mm-hmm. you in. A lot of times, it's because of a goal, a big goal or a big hit. Perhaps it's Eric Cairns because he pummeled Shane Corson, whatever it is, but. I just remember Kip Miller becoming my guy in that playoff series and being like, I, this, I'm never going to forget this guy. And I'm never going to forget how I felt about this guy and the way that this guy made me feel in this playoff series. And uh, it is not hyperbolic to say that without Kip Miller, I really don't know <laughs> if I'd be sitting here uh, surrounded by Islander paraphernalia. I can see my Franz Nielsen hockey pants over there and a Matt Barzell bobblehead and uh, a hat. And I just, if, if Kip Miller didn't make his third trip to Long Island, yeah. I don't know if, if I would be sitting here surrounded by all this stuff talking to you guys. So thank you, Kip. Thank you, Kip. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Guys. Thank you, Mike. And thanks to Bjorn Falk for our great theme song. It's called Knuckles. I'll put the link to his band camp in the podcast description and in the articles. 
go there, download and listen to his music because it's great. Thank you, Bjorn. We really appreciate it as always. And thank you for all of our great guests for coming on this year on Weird Islanders the podcast. And thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Go to patreon.com slash Islanders anxiety for bonus content, ad free episodes and more all throughout the summer. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. And we'll be back next season with a whole new slate of Weird Islanders. Till we talk to you next time, as always, keep the Islanders weird. Take care. Bye-bye.